Amen. Man, I love that song. Powerful truth. So when I was when I was growing up, I had a lot of people that I wanted to be like. When you were growing up, did you have people in your life that you just you just wanted to be like, and you just looked at them and said, "Man, I want to be just like that person." Um, how many of y'all remember the the there was this slogan uh, maybe the late. 80s, early 90s, and uh, it was it was a uh, be like Mike. Anybody remember be like Mike? If I could be like Mike, right? There's commercials, Gatorade commercials, all, all kinds, all over the place. Well, you know, I was 12, around 12 years old then, and like every other kid my age, I wanted to be like Michael Jordan. And so, um, here's a little picture of me at Christmas that I got my first pair of uh, Michael Jordan tennis shoes. Nope, not coming up. Well, it's not a pretty sight anyway, so it, did, it looked nothing like Michael Jordan. So, <laughs> but I did, I did do the, uh, the, 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 the uh, you know, the pose, right? The Michael Jordan pose. So, um, just pretend like it was up there, and it was beautiful and hilarious, and you guys are all thought it was funny. Um, all right. So, um, so when I was twelve, I wanted to be like Michael Jordan. I wanted to be like Mike. But, but Mike wasn't the only person I wanted to be like. I remember when I was little, uh, I wanted to be just like my dad, and uh, I, I still do want to be like my dad. But um, I, I wanted to be so much like my dad. And uh, when I got a little older, uh, I wanted to be like my Uncle Alan. He was so cool. We were close to the same age, and, and I just wanted to be like my Uncle Alan. When I was in fourth grade, I wanted to be like my, my teacher, Mr. Simmons. I just thought he was so cool, and I knew I wanted to be a teacher because I wanted to be just like Mr. Simmons. Uh, when I was in middle school, I, I decided that I wanted to be a youth minister because I wanted to be just like my youth minister, Nolan Knopfsinger. Uh, and then later on in, when I, in college, when I started playing the guitar, I wanted to be just like Dave Matthews. And then a little bit later in college, I wanted to be like Chris Tomlin. You can see there was a transformation that happened when I was in college just by that little statement there. Um, but later on, when I got into ministry, I started preaching all the time. I wanted to be like Rick Warren and Andy Stanley and some of those other great preachers that are out there. I wanted to be just like them. I wonder if there's anybody in your life, even when you were little or, or maybe even now, that you say, man, I want to be just like so-and-so. I want you to think about that for just a minute as we jump into this morning. Today, as I mentioned, we're starting this new series, and it's called We is Greater Than Me. And the whole idea uh, is, is about, it's kind of a continuation of the, the conversation that we've been having this fall about our fresh vision for our church, right? Sharing life together in Christ. Uh, but a major component of that, what we're going to focus on for the next few weeks is this idea of what I've been referring to as whole life generosity. And, and I want to just say, when you use a word like generosity in church, I know you need to qualify that a little bit. So I'm going to go ahead and say this from the very start. The number one reason for living a life of whole life generosity, the reason why I want to live a life of whole life generosity is because I want to be like Jesus. Amen? That's what the life of faith is about. It's about us becoming more like Jesus. And, and I believe that one of the ways that we become more like Jesus is we learn to live a life of whole life generosity. Christ was generous. And so I want to be generous. See, generosity isn't just about stewardship. Gen generosity is about discipleship. I want to live a life of generosity and compassion and service because I want my life to be a reflection of, of my kind and compassionate and generous God. That's, that's the bottom line. It's, it's that simple. Now, listen closely. I didn't say it was easy, right? I just, said, I just said it's not that complicated. 
It's pretty simple, uh, but it's kind of like grace, right? Grace, uh, the life in Christ is, is a free gift of grace. It doesn't cost anything, but, but living a life that reflects Christ to others can be very costly. It, it costs us something, right? That's why Jesus said, if anybody's going to follow me, you got to take up your cross and follow me. It, it costs us everything, and yet it's a free gift. It, it doesn't make sense except in the economy of God. Uh, and that's the same. Uh, living the life of Christ is costly, and yet the benefits and the blessings, the rewards that we reap from living that kind of life are more abundant than anything we could ever gain in this whole world. And so it's really not uh, that costly when you think about it. So, so that's what we're going to talk about today. That's what we're going to talk about for the next few weeks. And, and uh, also, again, using a word like generosity, I feel like I need to say this from the very beginning so that your fears are relieved, so that y'all will come back next week. And I want to say this. This is not a series about asking for money. I'm not going <laughs> to uh, ask you to pledge a certain amount at the end of this series. It's not a series about tithing, although I believe that there is a most definitely a biblical model for that. And we can definitely talk about that. Uh, this is not even a series about giving, at least in the traditional sense of the word, although I think you might be challenged to give more than you ever have in your life, not just financially, but in every area of your life, by what we learn about Jesus and, and generosity and what that looked like in his life and in the lives of his followers. See, at the very heart of, of this conversation that we're going to have over the next few weeks as a family is, is that generosity is a lifestyle. It's about living our lives, putting others above ourselves because that's what Jesus did and that's what Jesus does for you and for me and for all of us. Paul says it best in Philippians. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. See, one of the great gifts of God's word is that it gives us a glimpse into the life of Christ through these eyewitnesses, eyewitness accounts in the four gospels. Uh, for those of y'all that have been joining us on Wednesday nights for our large group study on the chosen, you've seen firsthand uh, what the, these glimpses into the life of Christ and these encounters, these real encounters with the real Jesus uh, that not only changed the course of, of people's lives, but it changed the course of human history. See, that's the amazing truth. Jesus transformed people and those people transform the world. And you know, this is one of my favorite things to say. It's not just that it happened, it's that it happens all the time, right? In the same way, Jesus transforms people and people transform the world through the power of Christ. So today we're going to look at a story from Mark's Gospel, chapter 5. I'm going to read a big chunk of scripture this morning. Uh, verses 21 through 42. So I brought my Bible. I'm going to read it from my Bible. If you've got your Bible, you can get it out and read with us. Or if you want to pull it up on your Bible app and read it on your phone, it's also going to be on the screens and it's in your sermon notes as well. Um, but this morning, I want to read this story. It's a story of, of Jesus, uh, real life, in the thick of everyday life, right? That's one of the things that I love about the Chosen series is we're learning that Jesus had a, had a, had a life, right? Just like just like you and me, in some ways, he had, he had uh, the same uh, number of seconds and minutes and hours of the day that we did. 
uh, he had some of the same things as far as responsibilities and activities and things going on in his life. And, and yet Jesus over and over again took the time to see the people in front of him and, and to respond to them. Uh, the whole gospel of Mark leading up to Mark chapter 5, there's story after story of Jesus giving generously of himself for the sake of others. If, if you do the daily Bible readings, I put a story from uh, for each one of those days for you this week. You can read about how Jesus did those things leading up to our scripture lesson today. Uh, just to give you kind of the cliff note version, Jesus was, was healing the sick. Jesus was casting out demons. Uh, just like he said when he opened the scroll and read from the words of the prophet Isaiah, he was, he was proclaiming recovery of sight to the blind. He was proclaiming freedom for the captives, uh, good news for the poor, the year of the Lord's favor. He was releasing the imprisoned from darkness. He was binding up the brokenhearted. In other words, he was busy. He was doing a lot of things. Uh, he was going from place to place. And, and miracles were happening. And, he, and in our story today, he, he gets to this place and, and he's going about his day and he encounters in the midst of this crowd of people that are pressing in on him. Everybody wanting a piece of his time. He encounters someone in need and, and he takes the time to put the needs of others above himself and the result is transformation. That's what I want you to see is Jesus took the time you know, time is important, isn't it? Time might be our most precious commodity. It, time was so important. In the, in the Bible, uh, there, there are two words in the Greek language for time. We just have one word, right? The, the Greek language has two words for time, chronos and kairos. Uh, chronos is where we, we get a lot of our words that have to do with time, like chronology and, and things of that nature. Chronos is the amount of time, right? Seconds, minutes, hours. It's, it's the measurement of time. But kairos uh, is a different description of time. Kairos means the, the significance of time, the, the power of that moment, what's really going on in a moment, right? You can think of those kairos moments in your life, right? Uh, it's the, different, the difference between chronos and kairos is, is basically uh, qualitative versus quantitative, right? It's not necessarily the amount of time, but it's the significance of time. And I want you to know the difference today because I think that's important. Jesus had this amazing ability to recognize those kairos moments in the midst of the chronos. Uh, and, and even more than that, Jesus uh, had the amazing ability to transform the chronos into Kairos, and he did that through his generosity. Does that make sense? Are you with me? Because uh, here's the thing. Every time that we choose generosity, God can transform our chronos into Kairos. God can take our everyday moments. Uh, God can transform our seconds and our minutes and our hours and our days and our months and our years into moments and seasons and lifetimes of blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon blessing if we're willing to give those moments to Christ. So, so I want you to hear this. Uh, if you hadn't already, turn to Mark chapter 5, and I'm going to read it for you this morning. And, and as you listen, I'm going to go ahead and give you my three points so that you can be listening for them and seeing if you, if you can hear these themes, okay? Here they are. Number one, Jesus was generous and is generous with his attention. Number two, Jesus is generous with his compassion. And then number three, Jesus is generous with his salvation. 
So listen for those three themes of generosity as you hear this God's word for us this morning. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her, that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She'd suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. And immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You, you see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who'd done it. Then the woman, knowing all that had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He didn't allow anyone to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of Jesus. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loud, loudly. He went in and said, why all the commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said, Talitha Kaum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. This is God's word for us today. Thanks be to God. Jesus was generous with his attention. Jesus was generous with his compassion. Jesus was generous with his salvation. I want us to look at each one of those this morning. The first one is this. Jesus is generous with his attention. Jesus took the time to, to change his course in order to change the course of someone else's life. Jesus took this little interruption in his day and it ended up being this huge transformation in, in a person's life and in the life of the community. That's what, that's what Jesus does, right? The story says that, that the large crowd gathered around him and yet he chose to give attention to the one in the crowd who needed it the most. That's what Jesus does. Do you know those people in your life that, that no matter what's going on around them, they can make you feel like you're the only person in the room? That they listen like you're the only person that's there in the world? And what a difference that makes in your life, just that. It reminds me of the story that Jesus told about the shepherd who leaves the 99 sheep to go after the one in need. 
That wasn't just a story that Jesus told. That was, that was how Jesus lived his life, and, and he called us to do the same. In response to, to both of the characters in the story, in response to the synagogue's leader's need, it says Jesus went with him, right? In response to the woman who touched his cloth, it says he stopped and he turned around. He, he paid attention to both of these people to, so that they could, he could not only meet their immediate need, but to meet a deeper need in their lives. Before Jesus paid it all on the cross, Jesus paid attention to the people around him who needed them, who needed him. Don't miss that. There's a Jewish philosopher named uh, Simon Wheel who said this, attention is the rarest and purest form of generosity. Think about that for a minute. Sometimes the greatest gift we can give someone is our attention. Sometimes people just need us to listen to their story or hear their need to know that they're cared about. Uh, another quote I found this week, author David Augsburg said this, being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they are almost indistinguishable. In other words, listening is so much like loving that most people can't tell the difference. Sometimes the greatest gift you can give someone is the gift of your attention. Sometimes the greatest gift that you can give the church is your attention. When we covenant to share life together in Christ, we promise essentially to pay attention to one another, to pay attention to what God is doing in each other's lives and in our midst. We talk about that uh, first in language of by giving our prayers and our presence, right? Jesus went with them. We offer to, to pray for one another, to pray with one another, to, to be present with one another, right? And then we talk about gifts, and service, giving and serving, right? That, that brings me to the second one this morning. Jesus was generous with his attention, but Jesus was also generous with his compassion. The Greek word for compassion in the New Testament is this word, splagnitsamai. That's a mouthful. Uh, and it, it basically, uh, very literally, is translated being moved uh, with compassion, being moved into action, uh, not just with our mind or with our heart, but the word literally means your guts, your, your bowels, being, being, being moved in your deepest part of you to do something. Have you ever uh, been so moved by something that you just feel it in your guts and, and it gives you the guts to go and do something about it? That's how I like to think about this word. Have you ever uh, heard about some injustice or someone being treat, treated badly and, or someone's suffering and it just feels like you've been punched in the gut. Have you ever heard about somebody doing something inspirational and it just moves you, like I said, right in the center of you and it gives you the guts, the courage uh, to, to maybe go and do likewise. Jesus was so moved by compassion that he goes into action. He, he does something about it. He discovers the woman who, who touched him and, and, and he, he pursues her. She'd already been healed, but he took the time to, to look at her, to stop and pay attention to her, to meet this deeper need so that she would know that she was heard and seen and loved by God. He did, it, he did the same thing for the synagogue leader. Uh, in the midst of his pain and suffering after hearing the news of his daughter's death, he took the time to stop and say, don't be afraid, just believe. He could have healed her from afar, just like he did in other places, but he took the time to go 
so that not only the synagogue leader, and the, but the daughter and all those who were present would know that they were seen and known and loved by God. That's, that's the essence and the beginning of, of salvation, right? To know that we are loved by God so that we might respond to it. That's the third and final point today. Jesus was generous with his attention. Jesus was generous with his compassion. Jesus was generous with his salvation. Jesus took the time to heal and to bless and to set free as a declaration and demonstration of the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Do you remember how each story ends with this powerful proclamation of salvation? Jesus says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Now go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Jesus said, Talitha Ka'um, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. There are these glimpses of, of resurrection and, and healing and, and being set free. These are all themes of salvation. In, in, in the Bible, the Greek word in the New Testament for salvation is this word sozo, and it doesn't just mean forgiveness of sin or, or going to heaven. It's this holistic understanding of salvation that means healing and wholeness and blessing and freedom. We need to hear that today, friends. Salvation is so much more than, than we've given attention to so many times. Jesus saves doesn't just mean that we, we get to go to heaven when we die, although that's true, and I'm so thankful for that. Amen? Jesus saves doesn't even just mean that our sins are forgiven, although that's true, and I am so thankful for that. Amen? But salvation, what we need to remember is that salvation is so much bigger than just my sins. Salvation is about how sin has disconnected us as, as people created in God's image. It's disconnected us from God and, and damaged the image of God in our lives and in our life together and in our world. And so salvation is really about how God, through Christ and in Christ, has restored that image has reconciled that relationship, has redeemed our lives and our life together, and has renewed creation now and forever. Jesus saves means that through his life and his death and his resurrection, we have been healed and made whole. And God is continuing to heal us and make us whole as he sets us free from the power of sin and death. Heaven is the culmination of that. But salvation is about so much more than just us getting into heaven. Salvation is really about getting heaven into us. It's about the kingdom of heaven breaking through here on earth, in and through us, right here, right now. And we get to be a part of that breakthrough. I got to share this with you. Uh, I wrote my sermon. I, I try to write my sermon, uh, especially if I know I'm going out of town. I try to work on it early, really early in the week and get it done so that I'm not thinking about it that much while I'm gone. And so this week, we, uh, it was fall break. And so we were going to, uh, my mother-in-law has a, a house down in Mississippi on the lake. And uh, we were going there on Wednesday. And so uh, I, I got everything pretty much ready to go uh, by Tuesday. And and um, so I just kind of put it aside, and I wasn't going to look at it again until this weekend. And, um, but I did have a Zoom call this week. I had a meeting that I had planned a long time ago, and it was on Thursday morning, and it was with uh, Patrick Johnson, who's the, the president and the founder of the Generous Church. 
that we've been partnering with, this idea of generosity. And um, so we were talking about this series that was starting today, and, and uh, we had a time of prayer together as we were talking about whole life generosity. And, and after we got done praying, he said, Trey, as I was praying, this word came to mind. And I got really excited. You know how much I love words, right? And he had one word that he was going to share with me. And he said, uh, the word that kept coming to mind uh, as we prayed was this word, breakthrough. He said, does that mean anything to you? And, and, and I'd forgotten that I had written it in the, in the sermon earlier in the week. And I said, I don't think so, but I'll be thinking about it and praying about it. And so I got home this weekend and I was looking back over my sermon and, and I saw that word breakthrough. It was talking about uh, the kingdom of God breaking through. And I thought, man, that's it. That's where it all came together for me. I believe, brothers and sisters in Christ, fellowship family, I believe that, that the kingdom of God is going to break through in some incredible ways in the days and weeks and months and years ahead in our lives and in our church as we seek to reflect the generosity of God through living lives of whole life generosity. I believe that the kingdom of heaven is gonna break through in our lives and in our families and in our marriages and in our relationships and in our jobs and in every area of our lives as we focus less on our planners and our possessions and more on the people in and around our lives. I believe God's gonna break through in our lives and in our life together when we, when we stop focusing on what it's in it for me and start focusing on what we can do, what, we can, what God can do in and through us when we, we give all that we are. I believe that when we do that together, when we decide to do that together, God can transform all of our chronos <laughs> into kairos. I believe God's gonna take all those difficult days and weeks and months of 2020 and, and transform them into a breakthrough in 2021 and beyond. Do you believe God can do that? I don't know if you do. Do you believe that? <laughs> I believe God can do that, and I believe God is going to do that, but not just for us, not, not so we can just say, hey, look at, look at us. I believe God blesses people, and God blesses groups of people so that they can be a blessing to others, amen? Uh, that's our witness to the world around us. We can take the blessings that God's given us and use them to bless others. That's what this idea of whole life generosity is all about. And that's what the stories of Jesus are about. It's, why, it's how all the things that we've been talking about come together with sharing life together in Christ and, and our vows of membership and, and this idea of whole life generosity. When I thought about it this week and I thought about these stories, you know, that's the essence of, of these stories in the gospel. Jesus gives his prayers and presence and gifts and service and witness, and he calls us to do the same as his disciples. Uh, Jesus is not only our model of generosity, but Jesus gives us a model for generosity. Uh, that's what it looks like for us to share life together in Christ, to live this life of whole life generosity together as part of being the church. Uh, it's just simply following Christ as we create this culture where it's about we being greater than me. So, so brothers and sisters in the fellowship family, I wanna let you know, this is not a stewardship campaign. This is a discipleship campaign. These are things that we can all give and are called to give as disciples of Jesus and called to give generously and extravagantly. That's the last thing. This is not one of my points. This is just 
free, extra, you know, no, no extra charge today. I just want to give you this one more little point uh, that I found as I was really digging through this, just to kind of take a step back from the story. And if you put these two stories next to each other, if you, if you juxtapose them and just look at what, what maybe there's going on beneath the surface, I think it's got something to teach us about, um, about our motives regarding generosity. I just want to share this one more thing with you. As I looked at two of those two stories together, the synagogue leader and the woman on the street, I realized something really important that I think we need to remember. Jesus didn't discriminate about who he gave his attention and his compassion and his salvation to. These two characters in the story, uh, they represent kind of the highest of highs and the lowest of lows in that society. And yet Jesus gave his all to both of them. He was generous with people across the board. And, And I think that reveals a motive to us. See, Jesus wasn't generous to gain more standing in the community. He, he wasn't generous to gain more popularity among the people. He wasn't generous to gain more followers among the faithful. He, was, he wasn't about gaining more of anything. He was about giving everything. I think that's a word for us today as we seek to be generous. Our goal is not to gain status or, or standing or security. Our goal is to give ourselves away for the sake of others. In every situation, in every encounter, in every conversation, Jesus' one goal was to give people a taste of the goodness of God. He wanted to give people a glimpse of what the heart of God looks like. He wanted to give people his life so that they could have life to the fullest, and he calls us to go and do likewise. Amen? So, so as the band comes up, uh, and, and we're going we're gonna sing this last song. I wanna leave you with just a couple of questions to reflect on and to think about as we seek to, to reflect the goodness of our generous God. As we seek to give God our chronos so that he might transform it into kairos, just consider these questions and maybe pray about them and think about how God might be speaking to your heart today and in the days ahead. Number one is this. How might you give the gift of your attention this week? so that the people around you feel seen and known and loved. That's number one. Number two, how might you give the gift of compassion this week so that someone who's sick or scared or hurting is comforted? And then finally, number three, what might it look like for you to change the course of your day in order to let God change the course of someone else's life? That one may not make sense to you until later on this week when maybe one of those holy interruptions happens and you have a choice to make. Maybe God might be calling you to step out of the chronos into the kairos. But as you consider all those this week, I just wanna ask you, what would it really cost you to pay attention, to provide compassion, to pray for salvation? There was a missionary named Jim Elliott who gave his life on the mission field and And after he died, his wife found his journals and and published them. And one of his most well-known quotes, I think, applies to this. He said this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That's the heart of whole life generosity. That's the heart of sharing life together. This kind of life that reflects the life of Christ, that puts others above ourselves, that embodies this idea of we is greater than me. So for the next few weeks, friends, we're going to look at some more examples of, of, of everyday people just like you and me who live lives of whole life generosity. And my prayer is that through these conversations, 
that we might become more generous people, that we might become a more generous church, not, not because we need the money, although God knows we do, not because we want, pe- we want to make a name for ourselves, although I hope people in our community know us as people who care about people. But the reason why I want us to grow in whole life generosity is because I want us to be more like Jesus. Don't you want that? Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for for sending your son Jesus to live and die and rise again. Uh, Lord, to give us the gift of salvation and also to give us an example of what it looks like to live life to the fullest, to live a life of whole life generosity where we put others above ourselves, where we is greater than me. Lord, help us to follow in his footsteps. Help us to follow his example so that we might be example uh, to others of what a life transformed by Christ looks like, about what life in Christ looks like as we share it together. Whatever that looks like for us this week, God, I pray that you would help us to, to pay attention to what you're doing in our lives so that we might pay attention to others in our lives. Lord, that we might be open to what you wanna do, that our hearts might be filled with compassion, that our guts might be filled with compassion so that we might respond to those places that you're calling us. Lord, that we might be willing to lay down whatever it is uh, in, our, in our, our, our path, Lord, to change our course so that someone else's life might be changed. Whatever that looks like, God, would you just lead us and guide us and show us, Lord, not anything more than because we wanna be like you, that we wanna respond to how you've given your life for us. Lord, help us to do that right now. Whatever you lay on our heart today, I pray that we might respond to it so that we might be transformed, so that we might be a part of the work that you're doing to transform this world. The kingdom of heaven, right here, breaking through, right here, right now, on earth as it is in heaven. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. I wanna invite you to stand. And as we sing this closing song, if, if you feel God moving in your heart, you'd like to come forward and, and pray, the altars are open. Uh, if you'd like somebody to pray with you, I'd love to do that. Just, just let me know and I'll come pray with you. If you've got questions about a relationship with Christ or a relationship with this church, I'd love to answer those now or, or later on. Whatever that, whatever that looks like with just the few minutes we've got left in our service today, just use this time to pay attention to what God might be speaking to your heart and, and respond this morning. Let's continue to worship.